somebody and then be seated. Thank you so much. Well, amen and amen. All right. Don't forget this week, every day, to be in the Word. Don't forget to be on YouTube. Help others to subscribe. Picked up new subscriber, I believe, today. And so we're up to uh, 760 on YouTube and a bunch on Facebook. And uh, praise God for the way it's growing. And continue to invite others to tune in and tell them to subscribe. Tap subscribe. It's free. That way they'll get the notifications and they'll know to do that. All right. So every day let's be on uh, the devotions and uh, let's be passing along the word to others. And we'll see you out on Wednesday night or see you on YouTube at 7.34 through the Bible verse by verse. 2 Corinthians is where we are. And then Saturday, 9 o'clock cleaning, 10 o'clock visitation, 1 o'clock parasol tea for ladies and girls. Got those sign-up boards and they've been filled and we're going we're gonna to be calling people and inviting people. And you do the same thing. Wonderful time will be had by all. You know how it is. Delicious luncheon, uh, fun food, fellowship, prizes, surprises, devotional. It's absolutely free. Uh, girls should be old enough to sit through a couple-hour program. So 1 o'clock, we'll see you here on Saturday. Next Sunday, let's be out. Fifth Sunday of the month of April will be 1-3rd through, through the year. Amen. Many, many important things coming up tonight. We're bringing a message on uh, a very pertinent subject. Every Christian, now our flesh doesn't like this. And the world and the devil are going to fight against this message being heard clearly. And so I'm saying tonight, you need to be praying right now with the preacher, agreeing with me that the devil be hindered in trying to stop this message from going out here and around the world. Too many, too many, too many are just excusing away uh, bad attitudes, bad words, bad deeds, and we claim to be Christians. We absolutely need to face up to our spiritual need tonight. God helping us, we're going to have the Scripture to apply. You know as well as I do that God's people came up out of Egypt. How did they get out of Egypt? They got out of Egypt in one night by the Passover. They came out by the blood. That's a type of Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb who is sacrificed for us. And they came out on the blood and they came up to the Red Sea and God made a way and God opened up for them. And then they took the southern route. God was working on them because they didn't have faith. They were people of doubt. And there is a generation of doubt uh, that has to be dealt with. They either have to have a life transformation or they've got to die off in the next generation rises up. I pray that we're not at that point with Central Baptist Church, that it's going to take our generation dying off and the next generation having faith in God for us to be and to do what God would have us to be and do. I'm praying that we will be people of faith, that we'll operate in the realm of believing absolutely what God has said in His Word. Let's not, let's not be spare tire Christians. Let's not have plan B in the trunk you know, in case God doesn't come through. Let's not try to help God out. You know, when God doesn't specifically do something and we work on it. Did you ever do something and push and jam and shove until it came into being, but it didn't come into being God's way. It came into being by, by the sweat of your face and by man's uh, own effort. And afterwards, 
You know, there is no satisfaction in that because we didn't trust the Lord. We just made that thing happen. If I never hear a Christian say, hey, we're going to make this happen, if I never hear that again, I, will, I couldn't be happier because making it happen many times is the, the work of the flesh instead of the, the miracle that God wants to work in our midst. We need to be people of faith. Walk by faith and not by sight. Those people came through the southern route. They didn't go in at Kadesh Barnea. They died off in the wilderness. The next generation uh, was under Joshua, and they entered into the land and crossed over the Jordan. And God stood the Jordan up on heaps of water, and they crossed over dry shod, and then they went in to occupy the promised land. We have songs and we have uh, sermons and we have people talk about heaven being the promised land. And ha uh, heaven is a wonderful promise, but that's not the promised land. Heaven is not Canaan land. Canaan land, the promised land, is the victorious Christian life down here. The Jordan is not physical death. The Jordan is our spiritual death to a self-willed way of life. People who have trusted Christ as Savior need to make Him Lord of life and every day re-acknowledge that fact and to get out of the way and let God have His way. Christians who are saved and on their way to heaven may be in Canaan land and fighting a losing battle instead of living in victory, victorious Christian living. I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you tonight uh, wherever you are and whoever you are as you're listening in, I'm talking to you about those that are already saved. Have you received Christ as Savior? Do you know that you're going to heaven? All right. Have you acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord of your life? All right. So you've crossed over Jordan, and now you're in the Canaan land. And does that mean, does that, mean that it's all peaceful? No, there are battles, daily battles to be fought. That's what we're going to do as we put on the armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. As we're filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 5. As we're looking unto Jesus, as we're watching and praying like Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. As we are prepared, as we are equipped, as we are, as we are standing firm and, uh, and fighting the good fight and living for Jesus, these are some promised land warnings that we want to give you tonight. For our text, let's go to Deuteronomy. We've already taken you through James and 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But now we come to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And here we have the warning that is being given by Moses to the people who are about to enter in. He can't go. Moses can't go. He's still the mouthpiece of God. He's still God's leader, but he can't physically trod the ground in promised land because he has been disobedient and he has disqualified himself and it's very sad. He'll be buried in the mountains of Moab overlooking the land. He'll see it, its length and its breadth, but he himself will not enter in. What a shame that is. But he is giving the very words of God, words of warning that I would like you to record as well as we take this scripture tonight. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. This is for the second generation. It says in verse number 10, If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. That's where it starts. You've got to get in the Bible. You've got to make it 
a personal determination to be Bible readers, Bible students. Don't say, well, I know what it says already. I've already read through it. No, every single day there needs to be that discipline. Uh, you know about that coal bucket. You know what we've talked about. You know how important it is, that discipline of the Word of God. To keep His commandments and His statutes, which are written in this book of the law. So we read it, and we have a holy determination. We make a decision that we're going to guard it, we're going to keep it, we're going to put it down inside of us where it's safe, where it's going to do some good. And, uh, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart, total commitment now, lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, and with all thy soul, for this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. So we've got good news for folks that are in uh, churches, uh, religious organizations that say you shouldn't study the Bible, uh, you could just get confused. No, the Bible is an open book. There's a blessing for reading it and believing it and putting it into practice. And that's what we're telling everybody now. I was reading a question and answer column that was reprinted in the sword of the Lord. Dr. John R. Rice, who's now been in heaven since the 1980s, was being asked, was being asked by a young man who was coming out of Catholicism, uh, what, what about salvation and so forth, and, and uh, said, uh, Brother Rice, you know the Bible, you quote the Bible, you understand the Bible, if you would just come back to the mother church, the Catholic church, why, you, you would be able to do so much good for the Catholic Church and so on. And John or I said, if I came back or if I went to the Catholic Church, then I would have to stop believing right now that I'm saved on my way to heaven and I know it for sure. And the man, young man said, why is that? And he said, because the Catholic Church teaches that neither can you know it, but also if you claim that you know that you're saved, it is a sin, a mortal sin that you have committed against God because nobody is supposed to know that until the big judgment in the sky and good works on one side, bad works on the other, which is made up and it is absolutely fictitious on the part of Catholicism. But uh, the young man said, is that true? He says, yes, no priest knows that he is saved and going to heaven. No priest in the Catholic Church knows that. So the young man said, well, I'll go check it out. So he went to his priest and the priest said, no, you can't know that. And and the young man objected and said, but I know that I'm, that I'm saved and going to heaven. I've received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And you know what that priest did? He slapped that young man across the face. The young man said, I, I got to go higher. And so he went up to the, the bishop and got an appointment with the bishop and said, my priest said that I can't possibly know. And he slapped my face when I said that I know. And once again, he was rebuffed. And he moved on higher, went to the archbishop. True story. Archbishop told him the same thing. Not only can you not know that you're saved, but to claim it is a, is a damning sin. It will send you to hell. You'll never get out of hell. You'll never get into purgatory. You'll never get to heaven. You'll never make your way up the line. So finally, he, he left the Catholic Church. And he got into a good Bible-believing church, praise the Lord, and began to serve the Lord faithfully. There are some things that we need to know. I know that I know that I know that I've been born again. I know that the Bible is absolutely true. There are no mistakes in it. I know that I can trust my life and my future with, uh, with God and what He said in the Word. There it is. That's it. 
The Word of God isn't far off. It's close. It's near and dear. We need to get it inside of us. So it's never far away. You can pull that up. You can meditate on it. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Now, I understand that the Word of God is settled forever in heaven, meaning that it was always the way it is. It's not been changed or altered. But there are those today who say, well, we don't actually have the Word of God. We've just got a bad translation in English of the originals, and we don't have those anymore. So nowhere on earth is there uh, currently a copy of the Word of God. So we just have to kind of figure it out on our own. What that does is that makes the... The, the folks with the Greek and the Hebrew and Aramaic, it makes them the experts and makes us all the dummies. And we have to sit back and listen to them. But I don't have to. I have to sit back and listen to them because God has already given it to us. And if you have a fourth grade education, you can ring, read the King James Bible. And God will guide you and direct you. Amen. So uh, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither... Is it beyond the sea, far away, that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we uh, may hear it and do it? Uh, there was a man in California that wanted to debate me. He wanted me to, to come into his backyard. and uh, He wanted to uh, begin by ridiculing uh, my lack of intelligence or my lack of, of conviction on, on his side of the question because he didn't believe that the King James Bible was without error. And I said, uh, if you come to my backyard, your car will be surrounded by my preacher boys. And uh, they will say before you get out of the car, not what is your final authority, but where is it, Dr. So-and-so? Where is it? And then they will all say to you, mine's right here in my hands. I'm holding it right here in my hands. Because, you see, he believed that there were some major mistakes in the King James Bible. He didn't have a final authority. He was his own final authority. We've got the Bible. God didn't give us the Bible just so that we can win debates, though. He gave us the Bible so that we can apply it and be successful and win in the promised land, Canaan land, of victorious Christian living every single day as we face the world, the flesh, and the devil. The word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. And if tonight that is not the case before you leave here, before you pillow your head out there, you need to say, Lord, I want the word very nigh. I want it in my mouth. In place of complaining, in place of griping, in, in place of gossiping, in place of negativity, I want the word of God in my mouth. Amen. And I want the Word of God in my heart in place of bitterness and unforgiveness and sadness and sorrow. I want the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. I want the good news coming out of my heart, flowing out of my life. Just like we talked about this morning. I want to be the hands of Jesus in this world. Amen. To people who desperately need it. Here Moses is saying, when you crossed over Jordan, when you've already established that Jesus is Lord and you want Him to be in charge and you enter into those daily battles, the arena of the victorious Christian life in Canaan land every day for the Christian is for us to heed these warnings. And if we heed these warnings, we're going to be blessed.
You see, we all have choices. We all have choices. I'm not going to waste one minute arguing with a preacher who agrees with me on 99%, except he says, I don't have any choices. Everything's predetermined. I'm not going to argue with him. The reason I'm not going to argue with him is because all that business he's talking about, that's God's department. My department is to respond to the wooing and the guidance and the direction and the drawing of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's my place. My place is to yield, not to temptation, but to yield to the Spirit of God and allow Him to guide me and direct me. And when I'm in the promised land every day of my life and I'm battling and moving on, battling and moving on, battling and moving on, I'm going to exercise choices. And those choices and decisions are vital because each one I make, as I make one today, that's pivotal upon which the one I make tomorrow will rest which is pivotal upon which the one I'll make the next day will rest. They're cumulative decisions, aren't they, folks? You know what I'm talking about. And if you make a wrong decision based upon personal preference, personal feelings, or the flesh, then what's going to happen is other decisions will be, uh, will be laid upon in layer upon layer upon layer upon that bad, that faulty foundation. God help us. These warnings about our choices are so very important tonight. Beware, beware as we make those choices. May those choices be established upon the Word of God and upon the truth, the unchanging, unfailing truth of the Word of God. For about 50 years, evangelist Paul Levine traveled throughout the Midwest, upper Midwest. And somewhere along the line, back in the 1930s, I think he hooked up with blind singer Bob Finley. And the two of them, Paul and Bob, had a program on the radio that went all over the world. And they had a song that they would sing. They would open up with, Hello, everybody, let us get acquainted. And it was a, a cute little song. And then they had one, the most requested song was the Hornet song. When the Canaanites hardened their hearts against God and wouldn't respond so forth, God sent hornets in to make them willing. They, they, uh, he did not compel them to go, oh no. He did not compel them to go. God would not compel them to go against their will. He just made them willing to go. Story of the Canaanites being compelled uh, and uh, by the hornets, they were made willing to go. There it is. We have free will. We have a choice. And we need to exercise that choice upon the basis of God's perfect will revealed in the Word of God. Lose your will in the will of God on a daily basis, and your spirituality will survive and thrive. But if you make choices based upon whims and the flesh what you feel like and what you don't feel like, then you're going to have problems upon problems upon problems. So take these warnings today, and we're going to see these in the book of Deuteronomy. Would you go back to chapter number 4 of Deuteronomy, chapter number 4. The very, one of the very last things we have in the New Testament, in 1 John chapter 5, little children 
keep yourselves from idols. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning at verse 15, it says, Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw uh, no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in uh, Horeb out of the midst of the fire, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. Lest thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and, uh, and the stars, even all the host of heaven, shouldst be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided to all nations under the whole heaven. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of uh, the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as ye are this day, and, and so on and so forth. Now, what he's saying is this. The big mistake that people make is that they begin to worship and to serve the created thing rather than the creator. God put all those things in the heavens and the earth beneath for us to see and be uh, absolutely assured of the fact that there is a designer. There is a God. He is the God of the Bible. It's supposed to make us more convinced of who God is and to have more faith in God. But when, when the people adopted the practices of the idolaters who were around them, uh, they began to worship the created thing rather than the creator. And behind each of those idols that was created, there was demon power. So behind Baal was demon power. Now each locality in Canaan had its own Baal. It was Baal Berith, Baal slash whatever. They had their own local Baal god. And Baal was notorious because the worship of Baal was the worship of fertility of the ground so they would get good crops. He was kind of the false, idolatrous, uh, demonic god to make the crops grow. Keep in mind, every demon power is subject to and under the sovereignty of God Almighty. And God, God permits us to compare the limited power of demons that he, that he allows with the unlimited power of God Almighty. And when we compare the two, why would anybody choose Baal? But they would choose Baal because, you see, God demanded purity, and He demanded organization. He demanded uh, that the family be honored and respected. And Baal, with the fertility rites, stood for everything that was against everything that God was for. And so there was no comparison. When you, when you followed a false god in ancient times, it was wickedness, it was filth, it was nastiness, it was the exercise of the flesh, which is only temporary in its gratification. That's, that's why the people would go, go off and you'd have 24,000 that would be committing uh, fornication with Moabite women and, and they all got killed in one day. Why? Because God couldn't tolerate that. You know, when you look over the back fence and you see what the neighbor's doing and you say, well, that looks pretty interesting. Be careful. 
You see the neighbor going off and ignoring God and just, you know, they, on Sunday they go worship the, you know, the fish God. You know what I'm talking about? The fish God. And uh, the, the sun God and the mountain God and the, you know, the beach God and all the different gods. Better watch out. Don't get your eyes on that. Don't, don't take up with that. That's, I mean, <laughs> God has given us some, some very, very, very straight and strict and correct instruction. And it's for our own good. God doesn't intend anything that's going to hurt us. It will deny us the exercise, the free course of the flesh, which will only end up destroying us. Remember, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God will, with the temptation, provide a way to escape. He will absolutely do that. So, beware. Beware of what? Idolatry. Beware of idolatry. Idolatry is the substitution of anything else for the perfect will of God in your life. So any thought, any person, any organization, anything, anybody, any concept that takes you away from the perfect will of God is idolatry. We're to avoid that. We're to stay away from that. Claim the blood. And remember, lust and enticement puts you on the doorstep of temptation, and you're about to step through uh, that doorway of temptation, and that's where we need to watch and pray and be filled with the Spirit, put on the armor of God, and quote the Scripture, and not allow it to have any place in our life. Idolatry. All right, go over to Deuteronomy chapter 7. These are promised land warnings. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verse number one, when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it and hath cast out many nations before thee. And we have the listing of the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier, mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them nor show mercy unto them, neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. And then the next verse says, For they will turn away thy son from following me. They're going to turn you away. This is speaking of what our New Testament scripture gives specifically in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. And beginning at about verse number 14, where it tells us, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will be a father unto you. There it is. The unequal yoking up with unbelievers. In the first case, we saw idolatry. In this case, we see compromise. And compromise will cause people to lose their testimony. One very sad man, years ago in this church, confessed to me the grave mistake he made, though he was raised in a good church with a good fire and brimstone preacher in another state, preacher that I came to know and shared the platform with, in fact, uh, but under that preacher, he didn't listen. Instead, he married an unbeliever. 
And for the rest of his life, until his dying day, he felt like he was running with weights on and his life was limited because he had made this mistake of being unequally yoked together with an unbeliever in marriage. Oh, he loved her, but it wasn't the same. And that's, that's just one area. I believe that in any area in which our testimony can be compromised, we should not be yoked up with unbelievers. This is not isolation, it's insulation. And so that's a warning every single day. We need to avoid idolatry, anything that would take out of our heart and our mind that exclusive uh, will of God. Anything that comes between us and God's perfect will is idolatry. Number two, not yoking up with unbelievers because they'll turn your heart away. They'll make you neutralize. They'll, the first thing they'll do, they'll say, you know, it doesn't have to be the King James Bible. And then they'll say, you know, it doesn't have to be church on Sunday. And uh, they'll just, they'll get to you eventually. The devil has a way of framing things when he says, you know, you won't go to hell if you don't go to church. You won't go to hell if you don't observe separation. But you know what? I won't be pleasing my Lord if I compromise. And I would rather be a friend of God than be a friend of this world. Amen. Amen. Say, preacher, what does that mean? Just exactly what you think it means. Without compromise. Amen. Alright, moving on to uh, the next chapter. Chapter number 8. These are, these are promised land warnings that we need to take to heart tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning at verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be, here it is, lifted up, and now forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Oh, what shame there is in being lifted up with a heart filled with pride. Mm, mm, mm. Idolatry, compromise, and pride. That'll kill your spirituality. God does not care that we have the latest this or the latest that added to our stuff. God does not care. I'm not saying it's a sin for you to have a certain thing in your house, in your garage, in your portfolio. But if it's there because of pride, then it's going to eat away. And it's going to destroy your spirituality. One mouthful at a time. Just a little bit at a time. That's all it takes. Oh, we need to be separate. We need, we need to avoid idols. We need, we need to be careful about those graphic areas of sin. But we need to watch the very subtle area of pride. So I take pride in my work. As long as it does not encroach upon your spirituality, as long as you don't lift yourself up and see what I've done, see what I've accomplished, 
God help us. As they entered into the land, they needed to be courageous. They needed to be honest. They needed to be upright. They needed to be transparent. They needed to be uh, brave and, and uh, not fall back and not retreat, but to destroy the enemy and utterly destroy the enemy and not, not compromise. They needed to, to be sure when they entered into the land to give God His due and to offer the first fruits of the land. And, to, and they were very, very careful to go up to, to the place of worship, first to the tabernacle, Shiloh, and then the temple when it was raised up. They had to, they had to go and present themselves before the Lord and they had to uh, bring an offering so that they could be accepted in God's sight, at least in the Old Testament sense, a type of the New Testament sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They needed to do, most importantly, this. In every aspect of, the, of their life, as it says back in Deuteronomy, in chapter number 6, let's turn there. And it says in verse number 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. If we fail at any point, we fail to teach our children by life and precept the truth that Jesus Christ is first, that God is all in all, that He deserves our very best and that we should not bring the leftovers. We should not bring the blemished. We should not bring less than that which is worthy as a sacrifice to God. We should love and obey Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and, and never, ever, ever fall short of that standard. This is a tremendous warning that carries over, as you see, uh, Jesus Christ, not once but several times, repeating that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind and might. Every fiber of our being should belong to the Lord. These are important warnings that have to do with every choice and decision we'll make today and tomorrow and the next and the next and the next. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. That's it. And when, when lust hath conceived. It brings forth sin, and sin brings forth death. Many Christians tonight are dying spiritually, and they don't know it. They've adopted a lower standard, less quality, less intense, kind of a ratcheted down, going through the motions, going through the routine, putting on a Christian face, but not really loving the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind. We need to be careful. If you've been saved, you've come out of the wilderness, you've crossed over Jordan. In the land, every single day, watch out for idolatry, compromise, pride, Let's love the Lord totally and completely. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you tonight say, Preacher, something in that message spoke to my heart tonight. Slip your hand up. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to extend the invitation. And I would invite you to come from where you are. Have a word of prayer or pray right there in your pew. And ask the Lord 
to take you totally and completely as you offer him a complete, unreserved uh, first place in your life. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just pray from your heart something simple like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Oh